listening to the ron and don show please hit subscribe hey you guys what's going on welcome to episode 454 now of the ron and don show and yeah we are live from the les schwab studios what is up ron and don nation all right hey coming up on the ron and don show i think let's all admit it we all hate king charles and now what what's going to happen with that monarchy i think everyone agrees we love the queen we love Princess Diana. We hate Prince Charles and everything he stands for and everything he doesn't stand for. I don't even know what he stands for. I know this. He's a real estate tycoon, though. I would like to do a sit-down maybe uh, with him if this kingdom thing, monarchy stuff, doesn't work out. Because I understand he controls about $77 billion worth of real estate. Ta- tax-free. Yeah. How about that? Tax-free. you got to love that. So we got to talk about the king. Uh, also, coming up on the Ron and Don show, I think this will be cool. When it comes to longevity... There's some new science out that says, hey, if you can do these four things, you may live to be 100. I can't wait to tell you what these things are, and they're really simple. And in fact, I was at the gym today doing them to see if I could do it. I'll share three things, and we'll see if you can do them. Maybe Ron can do them right here. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. You used to live down in Mississippi with Brett Favre, and now this story is really boiling up. We talked about the fact that Brett Favre, who played for the Green Bay Packers, who's loved in Mississippi, uh, was was caught in some text messages and having conversations about taking welfare money, steering that money to himself, and then also steering that money to a school where his daughter plays volleyball. Now what we found out, people involved in the deal has stepped forward and they said, yeah, we're going to plead guilty no need to indict us and chase us down. In fact, two have now stepped forward that he was caught having text messages with. So Brett Favre is given the $1.1 million back that he took for a speaking fee, and he never really spoke. The other thing is now they want two or $300,000 in interest on the $1.1 million. And then on top of that, I'm really curious about how they're going to extract the $5 million. And I wonder if his pockets are that deep. Brett Favre is a tough guy, there's no doubt. If you ask Aaron Rodgers why he wears a helmet that doesn't really have any padding, it's not a modern-day helmet, Uh, he doesn't tape his ankles, he doesn't wear a mouthpiece, he said, because I played next to the toughest guy in the NFL, Brett Favre. Ron, I have always loved Brett Favre. I love the way that he played, the way he loved the game. If you look at the story of him going back to Green Bay after he went and played for the Vikings and the first time he stepped in and halftime and his connection, it just, I love everything about it. I, I, I hate this story, but I also, have, I also hate the fact that it seems like Brett Favre, because of his stardom down in Mississippi, is getting off scot-free. How come everybody else is being indicted but Brett Favre? This, this is a fascinating story. Have you heard Shannon Sharp talk about this? No. Shannon I, and, Sharp. And I, and I would like to hear some more athletes talk about this because I hear a lot of athletes saying absolutely nothing right now. So, so. Shannon Sharp, a uh, Hall of Fame tight end. He played for the Broncos. He now does a show on Fox, I believe, first yeah. take with Skip Bayless. He 
said some stuff and it seemed like this has been pent up for a while and, and what he did and, and i'll just throw this out there you can go find the clip if you're Shannon Sharper, you don't know he was a, a great quarter he was a great tight end uh, was he a tight end yeah for the denver broncos and his brother sterling played with brett Oh yeah, and oh, so he had uh, right. Sterling Sharp was a was a wideout got injured. If he hadn't got injured, both of those brothers would be in the Hall of Fame. So Shannon, um, who that show manufactures some bombast, and if you get past that, he he did a thing, and I found it really fascinating, and I hadn't thought of it in this way. He said, "Look at how compare how Brett Favre was treated for the Hall of Fame, and Terrell Owens, a receiver, was treated for the Hall of Fame." And he said, when it came to Terrell, people would say, oh, you know, he wasn't a great teammate. He played for the Cowboys, and we don't have to go into all his stats. You can look him up. He played for a bunch of different teams. But he's, the, and, and Ter- Terrell Owens is black. Yeah. And Brett Favre is white. So Shannon Sharp is also black. So he said, hey, look at how they treated Terrell. They didn't look at what he did on the football field. They looked at everything out of the football field. What about his attitude? And remember that time he did this? And what about when his family? So they pointed to all of these character flaws or attitude things or some of his antics he did off the field as a reason why he shouldn't be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. He said, then when you look at Brett Favre, when it came to his, he was an addict. Brett Favre was a painkiller addict. And he admits it in, he writes, it in his book. If you there's a book called Favre, and he wrote it, and it's it's all about that. It's fascinating. And so when people see that, they go, "Ah, oh, it's just a tough guy." You know, he had one pill too oh. many, and oh man, you know, g- give him a break on that. That's a good point. When Brett Favre is sending dick pics to a employee of the New York Jets, female employee, Shannon while, Sharp brought this up. While, no one, good for no one, brings this up while he's a married man. Yeah, you people can tell. Go, you can oh. You know, it's Brett being Brett, and his you know? wife, and his wife, and, and he's he was raising money at the time because his because his wife was a, a a breast cancer survivor, so he's raising money for breast cancer. So yes. it's uh, that's just Brett being Brett. You know, he's getting a little randy with the employees, and so he goes, he cites a few more things on that, and he's like, "This is this is what racism looks like." Wow, because if you have a guy that is a celebrated tough guy. And has this Teflon veneer where it's just everything bad that happens is celebrated in a way or it's deflected in a way where it's like, ah, but he's Brett Favre. Meanwhile, when you have a black athlete just as accomplished at his position, where anytime, oh, look at him showing off, taking off his shirt and he's doing sit-ups in his driveway. What a show off. Who's this guy think he is? How do we keep this guy in his place? Yeah, it's good. Um, and Shannon Sharp does a diatribe on that. And I was like, you know what? That is a good point. Mm. And I hadn't thought of it in that way. And so what state did you say Brett Favre is in? Mississippi. Yeah, good old boy. What uh, is the ultimate good old boy? Ties to business. Ties to politics. Ties to law enforcement. Where you look at him and you go, he's a good old boy that made it to the NFL in the Hall of Fame. That's just Brett being Brett. And that's the kind of attitude and the kind of racism that I think um, I overlooked because you and I covered him when, when we worked uh, in the media in the NFL. That was right in our era, in the time where his dad died and he played that Sunday and they won that Monday game. Night. Played that Monday night. Monday night football against the Raiders and it was such a great storyline. Yeah, played one and, of the best games ever. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and meanwhile, you just gloss over 
the other stuff that had you attributed that to a black, let's say that's a black quarterback and he has a drug addiction and he is sending dick pics to a reporter and he's cheating on his wife. How is that black quarterback treated? The same as Brett Favre? If they get an opportunity to play black quarterback. Those are all good points. And I think, uh, yeah, I just learned something. That's good. See you on the other side. When the Martin family wanted to buy a house in Seattle for their son, Connor, after he got out of college, they turned to Ron and Don. Sent a message in their little portal. Got a message back within about five minutes from Don, and he set up a phone conference for about a half hour later. About two days later, we were out touring houses with him. Before they started working with Ron and Don, the Martins kept getting outbid. They just didn't realize how competitive the market is, but the guys worked tirelessly to find them the right house and then came up with a winning strategy to get it. They said, if we go in at this amount, we think we can we think we think can jump ahead and have people close before uh, they intended to. And sure enough, it worked out. I don't think we'd have this house if, if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. And now their son has the perfect place for him and his two dogs, and the Martins say they couldn't have been more impressed with Ron and Don. I think both of them said at some point when we were apologizing at how many houses we looked at, said, we love looking at houses. They didn't hesitate to jump in and make this the house for us. It, they seemed very enthused for uh, you know a deal to get done and for us to be successful. And that felt really good. They were passionate and they, they were just honest and straightforward and uh, no, everything's great. Uh, you know, I definitely would recommend it. And if you're ready to buy like the Martins or sell, your journey starts with a Ron and Don sit down at ronanddon.com. You're listening to my dad's podcast. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on ronanddonradio.com. All right, you guys, welcome back. Don't forget, if you need us, where do you go? Yeah, email me, ron at ronanddon.com. If you're a buyer, a seller, or an investor, you know that's been fun this year with the sort of, it's fun for me. We've taken down some really cool condos in Des Moines. Yeah. Have you been down to Des Moines lately? Yeah, it's amazing, especially it's, along the waterfront. Boy, there's like the development in the little downtown area. Yeah. Uh, right, we, uh, Randy, one of our clients, a 180 degree water view, amazing condo deal, walking distance to the restaurants and all the shops down there. We just had another client that bought, bought a condo. Um, everything's within walking distance. has a really charming feel. We had a seller that sold a single-family home in a very sought-after neighborhood. You get water views in Des Moines for a fraction yeah, of what you can get water views anywhere else. And the airport's right there. So, yeah, you can uh, email us if you're thinking about buying, even if something like a condo. We talk a lot about single-family homes. There's some really good opportunities right now in condos. All right. Hey, I think uh, Ron and I are probably at that age, and maybe you are too, because we, we can see who listens to us. And a lot of you are in your 40s, 50s, and 60s, even in your 70s, like we are. And I think when you kind of get to this age, it was interesting because on our last podcast, Ron was talking about going to Nashville, seeing his mom and dad, and, and this stoic philosophy of saying, hey, I, I, I should really enjoy this because this could be the last time. And if this is the last time, what does this feel like? And it really draws you uh, into the moment. And it's not a morbid way to look at it. It's just understanding. What, and I had a friend tell me this one time. I think it's really true. Once you accept, and he's a friend with cancer. He's had cancer the last six years. He says, once you accept the fact that you're going to die, because a lot of us can't accept it or even talk about it. He said, once you accept that, that's when you really start to live. That's, that's when your life can really take off, which I really appreciate it. Anyway, from time to time, I like to read. Uh, I was a master trainer for 20 years, a spin instructor. 
And from time to time, I like to read some longevity studies. And there's a new longevity study out that says if you can do any, it doesn't say you have to do all four, Mm. but it says if you can do any of these four things and you're successful at these four things, the chances of you living and not having a cardiovascular event uh, before the age of 90, it skyrockets, all right? So anyway, they went through, and Ron, I'm going to throw a couple of these out. I, I tried one of them. And I just want to see if you've tried any of these, because I told you ahead of time. And then also, could there be one that we could work on and then come back next week and we could talk about it? The, the first thing is this. Uh, the researchers had participants take a physical and do a treadmill test, and they they found this out. If you and this is for men, men, if you can do forty or more push-ups, forty or more push-ups, and it's timed, and it it it, it well, the time isn't important. What is important is that you can't stop. Right. So you can't do twenty-one and then rest, and then you can't. You can't. You, it, it, they have to be consecutive push-ups, real push-ups, not push-ups from your knee, uh, chin to the floor, and then pushing all the way up and locking out. Can you do 40 of those push-ups? For women, they say it's about 26. If you could do 26 push-ups. Get this. Get this. You have a 96% less likely chance to experience a cardiovascular event than those who could only do 10 or fewer push-ups. So this is the one I tried. I went to the gym this morning and I said, I wonder if I can do because a lot of times I don't do 40 push-ups. I'll do uh, maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do 30 push-ups, but I do them incline. I do them. I, and I do them with, I, I do really funky, weird push-ups. So just going to the gym today and saying, wow, I wonder if I can do 40 push-ups. I went in there, I did the 40 push-ups, but I have to tell you, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Like I got toward the end of doing 40 rigorous push-ups and, and I consider myself in pretty good shape at the age of 55. It, it was tough. It was very, I, very I tough. Tapped out. That's the one that I tried, and I did 25 push-ups. That's good. So I uh, I want to get it up to 40. Yeah. I, I actually have just recently hired a trainer, and I've been going to the gym, and they have the nice. records on the wall. Yeah. The record in this gym that I'm going to is 75 push-ups. In a row. Yeah. And like, and then there's these two guys and the the trainer told me like, they don't work out at the same time. Yeah. So they battle each other on the leaderboard and like one guy had 60 and the other guy, we get 62 and they just, they just cross out. They don't cross out the name. They just put their name at the top of the leaderboard and write it. (laughs) The next week, the other guy comes in. So that's now up to 70, 75 pushups. All right. I love that. the, The next test you guys is a walking test. They found that people can walk at a fast pace. They say three to four miles an hour have a 24% lower risk of all-cause mortality compared to those who walk at a slow pace. I'm all about this. You, you've For walked those with 60 me. or over, the effect is more pronounced. People who can walk fast enjoy a 53% reduction in, in all causes of mortality. So just because you can't run or just because you can't get out there and ride a bike or jump on a Peloton, just getting out and walking and... And it's and and I think if you get to a point where you can monitor your heart rate, also you can monitor your sleep. Uh, I use a Garmin to do that, uh, but you can use a real simple Apple Watch. The Apple Watch, when it comes to a lot of the mechanisms concerning your heart and blood pressure, aren't super accurate. Uh, but there's a lot of 
There's a lot of technology out there. I think we have to be careful, though, sometimes, because I'll sometimes be too focused on my technology, and then I'll scare the hell out of myself and go, oh, my God, am I having a heart attack right now? What's going on here? But but measuring that, and, and, and here's the thing. There's some devices out there that can let you know how fast you're walking, and sometimes you might think you're flying. I thought I was flying the other day, and I looked down, and I was coming up at an incline. I was out, out on a walk with our dog. I was only going 1.3 miles an hour, but I swore I was going six. So four miles an hour, I, that's pretty fast. That's a, that's a pretty fast walk. It is a fast walk. I don't know if I'm up to four, but yeah, I'm a pretty fast walker. I, I, you and your son and I did a hike a while back, and I did feel bad because I, I thought the thing I wanted to see was closer than it was. And I was walking pretty fast, and your son was like, are we there yet? And I was like, it's right around this corner. And it yeah. wasn't around the corner, and it wasn't around the next corner. But he finally made it. I hope he, he hope he didn't uh, you know, say bad things about me when we got back. It was good for him. But it was a, a, lo- a much longer walk than we had. I, I rarely ever, except for when I'm walking with Rachel Bell, she's like the only is person. Is she a fast walker? She is a really quick walker. Oh, she is? Okay. And so, but other than that, I'm usually pushing the pace on, she on is. walking. Okay. Uh, did you try this third thing, the sitting and the rising test? The sitting test would be for you just to sit on the floor and maybe you, do you still say Indian style? Do you say native American style? Cross leg style. Like I haven't thought about this, uh, but I'm open to learning. Here's how it works. You stand barefoot on a non slick floor. You want to have plenty of open space. You can watch people try to do this online. You just cross one leg over the other. You lower yourself butt on the ground. You lower yourself to a sitting position, your butt's on the ground, and then you stand back up. The goal is to do it without touching the floor with your hands, your knees, your elbows, or your forearms, or even the sides of your leg. If you're unsure, have someone nearby you uh, uh, help score you. Start with 10 points, subtract five points for each time you need to use your hand or your knee, your forearm or shift. Uh, The bad news, people who scored less than eight points we're two times as likely to die within so the wait, next six years. Wait a second. <laughs> You're sitting with your tail on the on the ground, you know, and you want to stand up on one foot without touching anything else. No, no, no. You're saying? No, you're, you're, I did this with my partner, Joe, the other day. It's not an easy thing to do. So you're going to uh, stand. You're going to cross your legs. And then you're just going to sit. And then you're just going to you go down to your butt. And then you're just going to stand back up. Okay. That's all you... And, and you, you can watch a video. You can watch a video. But going down is not hard. It's the standing back up. Right. The standing back up is very difficult. But they do say as we get older that balance is key. Just And, and what they're doing is they're really t- they're, they're, they're challenging your sense of balance. Fine, the final thing, the grip test, you just go to a pull-up bar. You don't have to do any pull-ups. You just hang there and see if you can hang there for 60 seconds. I haven't tried that one, but I was, I'm going to when I go to the gym. But did you get 60? I can do a little longer than 60 seconds, yeah. It's, it's an overhand grip, right? Yes. Not an underhand. Not underhand. Overhand, overhand grip. Yeah, so on all these, I did pretty well. I have to say the challenging one for me. 60 seconds is a long time to hang. It's a long time. The sitting down and then and then rising back up on the rise, I had to try it a couple times to get it. It's not, it, it's not an easy thing to do. So I can do 3.5 miles an hour on the treadmill all day long. Uh, I don't know if I'm doing it on the street. I'm working. My goal is to get the 40 push-ups because I a, nice. couple, a couple of years ago I was up to 40, a nonstop, and I just the the, the pandemic kicked my butt. It's good, man. Then you're gonna live a long time. All right. <laughs> See you guys in 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. Mitch, we have a new client. She just got into mutual acceptance up in Shoreline, and we saved her some money because we were able to get that house under list price, handed her over to you, and what were you able to do? Yeah, we've got her as part of our buyer benefit program. So between you negotiating down a little bit of seller credit and us giving her a little lender credit, she was actually able to save enough in rate that she's going to save about 100000 over the life of her loan. That and is incredible. $100,000 over the life of the 30-year loan. That's right. Wow. So all she did was uh, call Mitch and she went to Mitch.loans first. He can talk to you about these programs as well. You can use me as your agent. And between the two of us as a team, because we were all ready to go, we secured the house under list price, bought down the loan rate, and she is getting a great deal. If you want to get a great deal too, go to Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the the Ron and Don show. The numbers are in. Uh, Everybody hates King Charles. Uh, it was kind of amazing. Only 22 million Americans got up to watch Queen Elizabeth and her funeral. I have to tell you, though, if King Charles was dead, I think 100 million Americans would get up to celebrate. Uh, I don't know what it is. His hair now that he knew he was going to be king, it kind of looks like a King Charles kind of hair thing that he's doing. Uh, I just... I, I just... I don't... I don't... I. When you think about the history of the monarchy and you think about the history of colonialism, you think about the history of where all their money came from. And it's in different trusts, but we really don't know how much money they have. We, we kind of know where it came from. Uh, when you add it all together, it's about $77 billion. He's a real estate tycoon. Every time his mom, for instance, she's about to give him billions of dollars and he doesn't have to pay any tax on that. And then on top of that, uh, the people of England, they they in the Commonwealth, they pay him and his family a hundred and twenty million dollars a year. He said he's going to try to pare back the monarchy a little bit. I think the reason he wants to pare it back is because he wants to put more money in his pocket. I think he's a greedy dude. Uh, I don't think I, I just I think all the stuff that they do when they go out and 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 they're like they they all live this life of service. How can you live a life of service when you're not even one of us and you don't even you, you you don't even get us or you don't even get it? I look at the way that they treated uh is it Meghan Markle? Yeah. I look at the way that they've treated her. I look at the way that she was treated when she went back. Uh and I kind of line up with Oprah on this one, I think. I think it's pretty amazing that that Prince Harry at the age of 36, you think about what happened to his mom. And by the way, you, when you look at the TV numbers for his mom uh, when she passed away or when she married uh, Prince Charles then, the TV numbers were unbelievable. We all love Diana because we felt like she was a commoner, like we related to her. They, they, they have asked people, though, the Commonwealth, if they should keep the monarchy. And it, it, it's not a 90-10. It's about a 62% of, of the folks over there say, yeah. But they, but they also believe that the taxpayers shouldn't pay so much damn money when that family is is worth $77 billion. So, and I just saw all the pomp and circumstance. I know that the queen planned all this for herself. I kind of lost respect for her. I, she, it, it would have been much more magnificent to me if the queen said, you know what? I'm going to have just a common burial, all the money that we were going to spend 
uh, on my uh, on my funeral. You guys have been so kind to me after 96 years. I want people to remember that we didn't spend another dime or a dollar of taxpayers' money. And uh, we took all that money and helped the homeless or addiction or housing or whatever that is. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, it was so opulent. I don't, I don't think there's room for that in, in 2022 around the globe with all this suffering that is happening coming right out of a pandemic that we're still kind of in. Uh, it bothered me. I didn't like it. What's the, I, I tried to watch it. I was watching it with my mom and sister who were very into the Royals and watched the queen and all the, that, that show on Netflix. I really struggle with it, and and what, what what do you what's the part you struggle with? It's it was a a parade of supremacy. It was a parade of like you white said supremacy. white supremacy. Even you saying using the word commoner, like to have this hierarchy of status based on your bloodline uh, and how your proximity to a certain person. It makes no sense. And what what is the logic for keeping it? Like that would have been the perfect time for this family to say, hey, this is an end of an era. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, we are going in a new direction and we are disbanding this thing, this historical artifact, and we're going to do whatever it is that they want to do, mm -hmm. uh, but to change gears instead. I mean, th think about the logic of this. It, it made sense a thousand years ago, maybe. But think about the logic of, Oh, you happen to be my mother. Therefore, I am now the king of all these people around the world. It, 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 it's, it's offensive. It's <clears throat> like the past due date on this is several hundred years in my mind. Yeah. All right, you guys. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don show. We appreciate you. And don't forget, this is a great time to sell if your house is turnkey. If your house is not turnkey, don't sell right now. Uh, make it turnkey. We can help with that. Ronandonsitdown.com. That is what I do. If you're ready to buy and you're like, and you do 40 pushups. Yeah. If you're, if, if you're like, yeah, I'm ready to buy interest rates are too high. Really? You're looking at a house that maybe in some neighborhoods you can buy for $300,000 less than what you could buy for a year ago. And again, that turnkey property, don't worry if you're a seller and it's turnkey, you're still up 6% September, 2021 to 2022. You are. But if you're not, you got to bring it to the front line and make sure it's front line ready. Anyway, going back to buyers, it's a great time to buy, isn't it? It's a great time to email me, ron at ronanddon.com. We can get a search set up for you. Uh, we got a client right now named Christian. I can't not wait uh, to get him into a townhouse. We've been looking. He's excited. First time buyer. Uh, I can't wait to have a, a drink with him on his rooftop deck. Yeah. All right, you guys need us, ronanddonsitdown.com, buyer seller playbook. Just write Ron, Ron at ronandon.com. If you need our newsletter, we send it out a couple times a month. We don't sell your information. All that is at ronandonsitdown.com. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you for episode 455. Over a million 500,000 listens to the Ron and Don Show. We thank you for that. Thanks for letting us be your broadcasters, your friends, and your realtors. We'll see you next time. You listen to the Ron and Don Show. All the way on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron Don Radio Network.